Greetings, my name's Adam Draycott, and uh, you're watching the online ministry of St. Augustine's Anglican Church here in Inverell. This is the fourth Sunday in Advent. Uh, this has been prepared for the 19th of December 2021. Our sentence of scripture today comes from Isaiah 45, verse 8. Shower, O heaven, from above, and let the skies rain down righteousness. Let the earth open and bring forth salvation. Let me pray. Lord, fill our hearts with your love. And as you revealed to us by an angel the coming of your Son, as man, so lead us through his suffering and death to the glory of his resurrection. For he lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. God and 
want to encourage you uh, this Christmas season, keep an eye out. We'll be posting our carol service. The plan is to record that. Uh, it's being run this evening, uh, Sunday night at 7pm. And we plan to video that. And we hope it turns out okay. And we'll post that online. Uh, the link you'll find on our YouTube channel. Recommend that to you. We'll also be posting a Christmas service there as well. But nonetheless, we look forward to seeing you at any of our Christmas services. On Christmas Eve at 7pm, we have a communion service and there's going to be a nativity scene and hopefully lots of kids and it's going to be beautiful. And Christmas Day, we have a service as well at 9am. Again, commun uh, communion will be served. You know, that service is a little bit more straight up than the family event the night before. And of course, our morning services resume the next day at for morning prayer at 7.30 and 9.30. Now, over the uh, New Year's, uh, there will be no online ministry offered between Christmas Day and uh, for the first two weeks in January. We'll probably give that a miss as well. Uh, we'll resume doing these videos in the third week of January, probably. Also in other news, uh, thanks for tuning in and supporting the work of uh, the local church here in Inverell. Um, please be praying for Matt and Deanna Stones as they prepare to join us. It's important that you meet them, and so please keep watching as we tune into this video that's about to follow. Right, g'day Inverell Anglican Church. It's a Stones family checking in here just saying hi. Uh, my name is Matt and uh, well I'm just finishing up Bible College at the moment. I grew up on a farm out in Canada and so I love getting out outdoors. I love riding bikes, I love shooting, I love fishing, uh, I love watching a bit of footy and playing playing touch footy. And this is my wife Dee. Hi, I'm Dee. Um, I'm full-time mum among lots of other things that um, I do. Um, I'm passionate about Jesus and about ministry. Um, I also love um, coffee, um, puzzles, hanging out with friends, the beach. Um, yeah, looking forward to meeting you next year. This is Poppy. Poppy, how old are you? <laughs> are you four, Poppy? Yeah, yeah, you're four. And what do you like? Puzzles. Poppy likes puzzles too. What else? Dressing up and bluey and crafts, yeah. I think. And crafts. And this yes. is Boaz. Boaz, how old are you, mate? Three. Three. Mm -hmm. And what do you like, Bowie? Playing dinosaurs in my room. Playing dinosaurs in your room. Yeah. What else do you like? Cars. You like room. cars. I think you love trains and sand pits and riding a scooter as well. Being outside. And this is little Knox. Say hello. Knox is, has just turned one and he loves animals. He loves uh, hearing their names and hearing what noises they make. And every animal at the moment sounds like an elephant. And mischief. And mischief. 
Well, friends, we've learnt lots over the last three years uh, here at Moore Theological College uh, in at Newtown. Uh, one of the, the greatest things I think we've learnt, at least as a family, uh, is that the Lord is good. Uh, in the Psalms, we're told to taste and see that the Lord is good. And each day, as we've looked at his word, indeed, that's been uh, true, uh, both personally for myself, but also for our family. Um, now, we've had lots of, lots of t times here at college, both ups and downs, plenty of, plenty of tough times as a family. And it's been really uh, amazing to keep seeing the way that the Lord is good, both as he speaks to us through his word. Obviously, we know that as we see his son, Jesus, who came and died for us, and especially as he's continued to sustain us over the last few years, uh, it's been a real great thing to see. Um, something I've learned, I've learned a lot theologically through study at college um, and through more women. Um, but I think the, the biggest thing I've learned has been um, I've grown up in character and in my relationship with God. When we came to college, we asked that God would help us to grow in the things that we were lacking. Um, and he certainly has done that. We thought it might be just theology and ministry training, but he grew us in, in a lot of other ways um, as well. We're really thankful for that. And friends, before we go, we just want to say we're really looking forward to seeing you all uh, in the new year. Uh, we look forward to growing alongside each of you in Christ as we sit under his word. So see you then. Farewell. Bye. As we come to the ministry of God's word, please read 2 Samuel chapter 7 verses 1 to 16. Psalm 89 verses 19 to 29 and our preaching passage is Luke chapter 1 verses 26 to 38. Make sure you read Luke chapter 1 verses 26 to 38. Read it out loud. Uh, read it with whomever you're with. Uh, whatever the case, make sure you read it. Uh, that would be fantastic and may God bless you as you do that. Well, I trust you have uh, Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 38 open in front of you. Let me pray. Uh, loving Father, as we come to your word, we pray that by your spirit you would speak and show us the glory and wonder that is your son Jesus that you would lead us in the way of repentance and faith and that you would be glorified above all else. We ask for your help and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, in April this year, uh, the Centre for Public Christianity uh, commissioned an independent survey and asked Australians if they believe in God. And do, you, do they believe in the supernatural? Now, the statistics are quite revealing. Apparently, 49% of Aussies believe in ghosts. Boo. 69% believe in a soul. That's right. Nearly 70% of Australians believe in a soul. That's very interesting. About 30 believe in miracles. Another 30 are open to their possibility. So that's 60% that are open to miracles. It was only 13.8% that would not come at all to the possibility of miracles. And the youngest group, the 18 to 26 year olds, 
49% of those believe in a soul and 48% in life after death with, again, another 28% open to the possibility. But who were the most sceptical? Well, it might surprise you that the most sceptical were in the age group of 76 years and older. Mm-hmm. Sceptical lot. 40% of you did not believe in ghosts. That's a lot for that age group. They didn't believe in ghosts, and nearly 30% of them didn't believe in an afterlife. Oh dear, that's depressing. What does this mean? Age means nothing, clearly. Uh, it means that Aussies are still open to spiritual things. Don't let anyone tell you different. Aussies are still open to spiritual things. Transcendent things. Aussies are earthy. Oh, yeah, and we're worldly too. But we're also capable of thinking about ooh, the transcendent. In fact, before us is lots and lots of opportunity. Notice in our passage today. Notice that the earthy or the earthly and the transcendent come, they come together. Uh, let's have a look at and see how earthly this passage is first. Notice the time markers. Verse 38, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, this happens to Mary. Elizabeth is a relative. Uh, she's in the story prior, which this one parallels. Notice there's a place marker, a location. It's Nazareth. You got it. Nowhere particularly flash that place out in the boondocks. The sticks, maybe what um, I'm afraid to say, but maybe what Yetman is to Inverell or Gravesend. There it is. I said it. Uh, there are people related to people so who are related to people. So there's a real country, country town feel to this. It's very earthly. Uh, so Elizabeth, I said, is a relative. Joseph, you get to meet the fiancé, the boyfriend, who's, they're committed, such as the arrangement at this point, so committed that they, that Mary was regarded as a wife already, even though the, the wedding hasn't happened and the rest of it. Yep, there's shared human experience because Elizabeth's going to have a baby too, right? And there's even the touch... Well, it's not politics, but a touch of social standing because the boyfriend, Joe, is related to King David. Ooh, I say, royalty. That's special. So all of this is very uh, of this world. It's very earthly and very human. I mean, we're even told that Elizabeth was barren. Three times we're told that Mary is chaste. If you're a teenager and you don't know what the word chaste means, ask your parents. Ask your dad, yeah. Uh, Mary confirms the same in verse 34. Real time, real people, real places, real history. Uh, I've said this before. We come to the Bible narrative. It's not Narnia. It's not Never Neverland. This isn't a fairy tale. Uh, real people, real places, real time, real history. You can go and visit these places. See how detailed and earthly this is. Another word might be temporal. Temporal means of this world. It's all detailed in this account. But as a Christian, 
The way we see the world, this is still consistent, but we're not just limited to the temporal or of this world, are we? No, Christians believe there's something transcendent. The opposite of temporal, a spiritual realm that's, that we can see here. It's a world we can't lay our eyes on necessarily, but it's out there, we know it, and then we open up God's word and we lay eyes on it there. We see it. Now, spiritual things, this spiritual world, can I say, this? there is opportunity for us. You can ask your name, hey, do you believe in ghosts? You're down at the pub? What do you think of the spiritual realm? Because <laughs> in this text, there is the great intersection of what we call the temporal of this world and the transcendent. They come together. Earth meets heaven, or heaven meets earth. Now, you might read this text and you go, well, not many of us get visited by angels. Now, this is true. Uh, if I, I can only recall three stories I've heard from different people that I know of that I could tell you, but not today. Yet this story is entirely consistent with the way we see our world. How? Because we live in the world. God is at work by the presence of his Holy Spirit. It, it, it conveys our worldview. As Christians, we know that the Holy Spirit comes to all believers. We experience new birth. We are people who were once dead in our sins and now we receive new life. We peace with God. We have a changed life on account of Jesus and the work of his spirit in us and through us. This is the Christian experience. Christmas, we remember God made his dwelling among men, humans. And the Holy Spirit comes, God makes his dwelling place in people, in our hearts. And that's going to make us more prayerful, doesn't it? It must make us more open to God speaking through his word, his spirit-inspired word, the sword of the spirit, remember. It if God is with us right now in my heart, it's got to make me more repentant, surely more godly, greater desire to be godly and humble and selfless. It means that whatever our situation, God is with us. I don't know what your situation is. Maybe we might be a single person or a widow. We just find ourselves struck with loneliness at the dinner table. Maybe we're waiting medical results and we're anxious. Or we're grieving the loss of a loved one. Maybe you're a farmer and you missed out big time this year. Big promise of harvest didn't deliver. Maybe your loved one is sick and you spend all day playing nurse. Instead of enjoying life, you're just stuck. Christmas means this personal, intimate God has turned up. And it means that he cares for us enormously 
and that he understands our circumstance. Of course, as we think about this great intersection of the earthly and the heavenly, the temporal and the transcendent, it reminds us of what Jesus is like. Because he was fully man and fully God, wasn't he? I mean, look at the text. In an earthly sense, we're told that Mary will conceive, verse 31, she will give birth, she's going to have a baby boy. It's a boy. Even the name is sorted. Thanks, angel. Thanks, angel. That's really help, helpful. In an earthly sense, we're even told that he will sit on a throne. Whose throne? Well, verse 32 tells you it's going to be the far, throne of his father, David. You remember King David, don't you? The, 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 the little tacker that knocked down the giant Goliath. But also David, who grew up, grew up and became king and became an adulterer. In fact, in Israel today, you can visit what is thought to be the city of David. And yet Israelis have a tomb. And you can go inside a room. Uh, and inside the room is a tomb or a, just a really big coffin. And inside the tomb are believed to be the remains of King David. And people line up to enter this room. And some are tourists like I was. But most, to me, they seem to be there uh, to mourn at this coffin. Tears flowing down people's faces. I remember seeing um, a young... Israeli soldier, army greens, combat boots, machine gun swung over his shoulder and his arms are embracing the, the casket, the, the tomb. And again, believed to be King David's, he's crying, he's sobbing, he's muttering, he's praying something. He's got himself into a real kind of state. And see the promise here in verse 32. The promise to Mary, your son will be great and he'll be called the son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. The promise, is, the promise here, the promise from 2 Samuel 7, the promise is he's going to take on flesh and bones and he will bleed and breathe and the boy will be born and he'll, be, he'll, he'll laugh, he'll cry, the, and, and he'll be a king, born of Mary, born of a woman. He's even got his earthly family history. Uh, he's a descendant of David. Now, you go on to Ancestry.com and look him, up, look him up, so to speak. They could make an episode of Who Do You Think You Are? Hey, look, Jesus... We looked at your family history. Look what we found. They discover the scandal of wicked, idolatrous kings and infidelity and immorality and even prostitution. And it's all there in Matthew chapter 1. Yeah, it sounds of this world, doesn't it? That sounds temporal. It sounds very, very of this world. And this same Jesus, this same Jesus, you want to get earthly, he will be pushed as a baby through the birth canal and he will be born into the world. 
Now let me ask you, where does Jesus get his earthliness from? Where does Jesus get his humanity from? And the answer must be Mary. Mary is the answer. So then we go, well, where does he get his divinity from? Where does Jesus get his godness from? And the text tells us in verse 35, he is conceived of the Holy Spirit. And so we see, don't we, the temporal, the earthy, and the transcendent, as the Spirit descends, and there's this cosmic intersection. And we see it here in this story. And we see it in Jesus himself, the one who is fully God, fully man. We know that Jesus is the king who will reign forever. 2 Samuel 7. He'll reign eternally. That he is the one true king of all God's people and that Jesus lives even today. Which means if Jesus lives today, that you could be in the city of David, and you could stand where this Israeli soldier mourned and cried and sobbed, and you could lean in and whisper into that room, the son of David, Israel's true king, the son of David, his name is Jesus. And don't cry, because he lives. He lives. He lives today. Jesus is alive. The eternal son of David. The eternal king. The son of the most high. He lives. It's incredible. Heaven and earth collide, if you like. Here is the wonder of God come to us. Here's the last thing, last thing I want to share with you today. I want you to see how messy all of this is. Do you think your life is a mess? <laughs> Get in line. Why do we think life is meant to be neat and tidy? Why do I think ministry in the parish is supposed to be all neat and tidy and ordered? This is, how God, this is how God gets things done. Did you know that God's messy? <laughs> this is far from neat and tidy. I mean, Mary says how. It's the right question. She's a teenager. She's a girl who's going to be pregnant out of wedlock. Who's going to be the dad, you know? Can you imagine the turmoil before her? There's a big wedding on the horizon and God asks this of her. Scandal, gossip, danger, maybe the threat of stoning because adultery would be presumed. Near certainty of divorce. How does that not happen? And how on earth is this going to go well? How on earth is this going to go well? We must ask, would you do it? No, of course you wouldn't. But of course, be comforted because God hasn't asked you. You don't have to worry about God asking you to do this because Mary already did it. But there is a lesson that we can take from Mary 
and we want to hold her up as an example of faith, and she is. But here, here's the lesson I want us to see today. There's always a risk in doing things God's way. There's always a risk in going God's way. It's going to cost you. Self-preservation and self-love is not the path. It's not what Mary chose. She chooses Romans 12, if you remember it. Romans 12, verses 1 to 2. If you've been part of this online ministry for months now, you should know what Romans chapter 1, chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 says. Mary's going to offer herself as a living sacrifice. She's going to be holy and pleasing to God. She's going to do things God's way and let him call the shots. She's literally going to lay down her body. And Romans 12 says this is true and proper worship. And then it goes on to say, don't conform to the pattern of the world. Change your mind. Test and approve what God's will is. And we then go, well, go Mary. Go Mary. And now compare her to the first Adam. Not me, the other one, but every bit as wicked. Did Adam have things so messy in the choices before him? Wasn't he on a good wicket? Paradise. Did he lack anything? No, he didn't lack anything. And now comparing to Mary? Are you kidding? And see how both respond to God's word. What do each do with God's word? Who is it here in the Bible that glorifies God? She doesn't miss a beat, does she? And so now do you see how God gets things done? And doesn't this speak volumes to how God gets things done as we look to the cross? How on earth was a cross ever going to go well? The Son of God executed. How on earth is that going to go well? Weakness, shame, humility. It's against the odds. It's messy. It's as messy as it can get. It's unconventional. It's surprising. It's messy and bewildering. That's the cross. And that's this story here with Mary as well. And isn't this how God is glorified? Through the muck of life. And through the cross. And now... We re- what do we do? We rejoice. We rejoice at Mary's example. We rejoice at the cross because there we know God's love and forgiveness. I mean, isn't this unreal? Well, I guess it's like we're, we're like the first Adam. It all comes down to whether we believe God's promises and whether we believe God's words fail. Mary believed God's word. Adam didn't. We know how that goes. I guess it all depends on whether you believe that nothing is impossible with God. Is life messy? Not working out how you planned? Never for nothing. Our suffering is never for nothing. 
And so I pray that somehow, through our weakness, maybe through our shame, amidst the mess, even through tears, that God would be glorified in us and through us. How's Advent going for you? Tough season? It is for many. We remember the birth of the Saviour, the promised birth. We remember also the new birth we have by the Holy Spirit. The same Spirit that was at work in the life of Mary is the same Spirit who dwells in the hearts of all believers. That's incredible. Are you comforted? Do you know God is present every day? That you have help. You have a helper. Every day we have counsel. We have a counsellor spurring us on toward love and good deeds. Reminding us that in Christ we are loved by God. That the transcendent God is near. That in Christ we are his people. That we are forgiven and loved eternally. As we pray, as we read God's word, as we walk as Christians, as we join together as a church family, his spirit is with us, reminding us to keep going and to keep trusting the promises of God. For with God, nothing is impossible. I mean, he saved you, didn't he? Did God save you? God saved me? Well, then nothing's impossible for God. And that is all to his praise and glory. Amen. Bro
Uh, this is the time in our service where we encourage you to pray. Uh, reflect on your life and all of those things that you can be or should be thankful to God for. Make a list of it and give it to God and say, thanks, God. Uh, make up another list of things that you want to ask God about. Petition, knock on the door, ask. Please be praying for our missionaries, Andy and Margie in Uganda, Gil and Ruth in Cambodia, and uh, pray for them and uh, give it all to the Lord. Uh, pray for one another, safe travel, lots of people traveling over the Christmas season. Uh, pray for one another, please. Um, don't not pray. That's the encouragement. And we'll see you uh, mid to late January. God bless.
death stars now draws a shaking breath. The light of life among us dwells. Oh, hear the darkness quake as it. 